from Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 360. Today's show is brought to you by Pingdom, ExpressVPN, and Hello. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Federico Vatici. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, Mike. How are you? I'm fine, my friend. Fine and dandy. Unfortunately, no Stephen Hackett with us this week, but that doesn't matter. Uh, because we're still going to talk about things that he thinks. So uh, yeah. Stephen wrote an article about Safari 15 on the Mac and iPad because uh, I think as a as a primary Mac user, Stephen was upset that people were just saying, hey, Safari 15 is all good now, mm. no problem. But there are still some things which could be considered lingering with Safari on both iPad and the Mac, and I'm sure you will probably... Uh, as a as an iPad user, feel some of these uh, issues potentially. So a couple of the things I wanted to pull out from Stephen's article. Oh, by the way, yes, we're still talking about Safari. Um, is <laughs> yes, uh, Stephen are. doesn't like <laughs> Stephen doesn't like color in tabs. He he turned that off. I wanted to know what you thought of that. I turned it off. I thought it was cool. Oh, did you? Yeah, mm. I thought it was cool initially. And then, and then I didn't think that anymore. Basically, um, it's very distracting, and it didn't help with like. A, there were a bunch of like contrast issues with being a, like some colors on some websites mm-hmm. did not help in like properly, at least for me to my eyes, didn't help with some icons in the toolbar, like the extension icon, for example, when you have an extension enabled in Safari 15 on iPad. Uh, and it's light blue, and you go to a website that is also light blue, and the contrast mm. there is super bad. And by the way, I can tell you that, unfortunately, I just installed iPadOS 15 Beta 7 on my iPad, and I can tell you, it's nothing has changed. They're shipping it like this. It's done. They're shipping it like this. The tab yep. design, the favorites yep. under the tabs. Yep. Uh, yep. This is it, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's done. I think that's like... This, it's set now, I think. Uh, for me, I mean, again, having only used this on iPad, I kind of like the color. I, I, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try keeping it on for a while. I mean, I'm sure it works in some places and some others it doesn't, and I'll just I'll, I'll judge it over time. But I want to try that because I don't really have a, an issue with it in theory, and I've seen some uh, screenshots and images of it being used, and I actually kind of like the look, and I do like the look on my iPad, but I understand why. This is something that people are not a fan of. I mean, you know, we all have our own preferences. Like, I cannot stand window transparency on the Mac, and I've turned that off for a long time. I don't want to see my desktop background through my applications. It's not something that I consider as a necessary feature. So we all have our personal preferences on these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen also really doesn't like the tab placement. So the way that it is uh, on older versions of Safari, it goes URL bar, bookmarks bar if you have that enabled and then tabs but with safari 15 it goes url bar tabs bookmarks what do you think about this do you use the bookmarks bar i do i do okay. all the time and um i think it's silly that uh that that it's under the tabs right now yeah it is an interesting placement i i, I think it's kind of confusing that just because i feel like the tab is c- and and I know that there's a whole like there's a whole discussion about this among some people, but I feel like the tab should represent the current page, right? And so if you're on a page, mm-hmm. the thing you see it's almost like tabs in a in a in a in an actual folder, right? Uh, and the tab is connected to the page itself, so that if you want to find the page quickly, you uh, you pull the tab and you 
the tab is directly connected to the physical page. And that metaphor is now broken in Safari because you have the address bar, and you have the tabs, and then you have the favorites. And it doesn't really make any sense to add the favorites above the page. What, sh- what makes more sense, in my opinion, is to have the tab directly above the page because I see that connection right between the tab and the page that is other- that with this design, that's missing. And, I mean, there's, there's, there, there have been bigger problems with Safari, right? And this is one of the minor ones, I think, at this point, but I'm still not used to it. And I don't understand, and that's the thing, I don't understand why it needs to be this way. I don't understand why the favorites bar cannot be under the address bar as before. It just feels like changing an existing design for changes' sake, not just not for an actual motivation that makes sense reasonably speaking it just oh yeah this feels new let's move it over there i I don't know why i don't think i'm too concerned of it but i understand what people do i mean there is it is kind of funny that they went from one extreme to the other though right where it's like the tab and the url bar completely intertwined it's one you can't avoid it and now it's like tab and url bar they'd never heard of each other i don't know do you think we're probably set completely now? I mean, I know we just said it, but like final word on it, do you think we're this is going to be it? Yeah, I feel like at this point the design is pretty much set, uh, considering that it looks the same on iPad and Beta 7 looks the same on iPhone. I think this is what we're getting. I think they were waiting for Beta 6 for the major change, which was sort of reverting the design on iPhone. Um, but now I think this is what we will see in the final product. So, Which is um, probably yeah. only like three or four weeks away at most. At most. I mean, I would love four weeks, but honestly, I feel like it's going to be September 15th. So Until just then, I'd completely forgotten about the fact that you were writing an iOS review. Cause yeah, me too. <laughs> we've been focused on other stuff, right? Which we're going to talk, talk, touch on a little bit later on, you know, Club Mac stories. That's like, in my mind, that's what Federico's been up to. And I had completely forgotten that you should also, and have also been writing your massive article for the year at the same time. Yeah, which... When I think about it, it's, um, yeah, I actually, I had to put on pause that story for like the past two weeks Mm -hmm. and now it's coming back to bite me because, uh, now it's looking like I have 20 days at most to, to be ready with everything. And while I am in the final, like two and a half chapters of the review, there's still a long way to go in terms of editing and images and art. So it's going to be a longer, longer, a long process for me going forward. Yeah. I'm surprised how good spirits you're in. Well, what else am I supposed to be? Like, I know, but last year you were not in good spirits. Uh, I mean, you had a lot going on, but also just in general about work. So I'm just surprised that it is a testament to your work ethic, Federico. Well, thank you. Uh, but uh, yeah, I feel like obviously there's like I, I have seen last year that even if I'm not ready on launch day, it's not a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this time around, I am trying my best to hit the, you know, the, the, the day one release of, of iOS 15. Uh, I also know that if then that will not happen, it's not like I can get sick working on the review. You know, I don't want to yeah. die because a story needs to be posted on day one. So I'm trying my best, but I also have other things going on. There's like another side of the business to take care of now. Yeah. So 
I'm going to do my best. I'm going to sleep as, you know, as little as I humanly can, but I also got to sleep. I also got to care for my family. I got to care for my dogs. So it's fine. We'll we'll see how it goes. I'm going to try my best, but uh, if Apple pulls another surprise and there's like an event on September 7th or something, and they say iOS 15 is coming out tomorrow, well, then I will not be ready. (laughs) So, and that's okay. Well, you know now, like that was the benefit of last year. You know that that doesn't mean that it was a waste of time, right? Like you yeah. don't have to be on the day of release of the operating system. Like yeah, it's not it's not imperative. Yeah, you can enable picture in picture picture in picture uh, for YouTube on your iPhone. This came out a couple of days. I think within the last twenty four hours or so, it's been flying around the internet. Just a bit of follow up from previous conversations. If you are a YouTube Premium subscriber. So you have to be a premium subscriber for this. You go to youtube.com slash new. You can sign into your account and there's an option to turn on picture in picture. Bear in mind, it can take a while for this to take effect. It didn't start working for me for a while and then it just did. So like give it a couple of hours or whatever. This only works on the iPhone right now, which is kind of frustrating. But hey, it's better than nothing. <laughs> so I set this up on my iPhone yesterday and uh, I mean, it works. It's very nice. Um you can start watching a video and then mm-hmm. you go back and uh, like you go back to the home screen and it starts picture in picture. It's kind of what I've always wanted, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. To be able to do this. It's it's slightly annoying that due to how picture in picture works on iOS, you do not get any YouTube specific controls or UI in there, right? It's the standard like picture in picture design for all kinds of videos. It doesn't have like, for example, it doesn't have a thumbs up control, in the picture-in-picture view because you because Google cannot do that because picture-in-picture can only show you like the video and basic playback controls and that's it. Um, so we'll see, uh, we'll see how much I use it but I think I think based on, you know, like since I enabled the option yesterday I've already used it a bunch so I'm very glad that I have the option. I really hope it doesn't go away. <laughs> I think they're going to keep it but it's probably just going to be a bit of a pain when the way that they're going to roll it out. Because they've said that they're doing it, right, just in general. But this is at least a way to get it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of getting things going, uh, stjude.org slash relay. We've been raising money and we'll continue to raise money from now all the way through to the end of September for the wonderful people at St. Jude. This is our third consecutive year where we are supporting the life-saving mission of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Their mission is very simple, finding cures and saving children. St. Jude is leading the way the world understands, treats, and defeats childhood cancer and other life-threatening diseases, but they can't do it without the help of people like you. Because of our generous listeners who are wonderful donors, people like you and many others, Make sure that no family receives a bill from St. Jude for their treatment, for travel, or for food, because all a family should have to worry about is helping their child live. For context, the average cost to treat one child with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is the most common form of childhood cancer, is $203,074. So it's really expensive stuff. And to make this possible so that St. Jude can offer this treatment, about 80% of the funds necessary to sustain and grow St. Jude must be raised every year from generous donors like you. This September, you can join Relay FM's efforts to raise the funds and awareness needed to treat and defeat childhood cancer. You can donate today at stjude.org relay. 
And if you uh, donate $100 or more, you can claim an exclusive Relay FM stickers of thanks pack. Let's cure childhood cancer together. So, so far, uh, the campaign is we're a weekend and we have raised $35,000, which is absolutely incredible. Oh, nice. Uh, thank you so much to everybody that's donated. But we know there are more of you out there who are able to donate. So please do go to stjude.org slash relay. Uh, we'll be continue to talk about this now uh, and throughout September. iCloud Plus custom email domains. This is one of the mm. things we spoke about last week that seemed like it was not going to be making its way into the release version of iOS 15. The beta for this just showed up, and you've set it up, right? I set it up last night okay. uh, on a on a personal domain that I ha- that I've, that I've had forever. Like I don't know when I bought it, and I figured, you know what? I have a few minutes, you know, free time right now. This is what I do in my free time, right? I play around with DNS records and email addresses. Uh, so, I've, yeah, it's exciting, <laughs> really exciting. Party. You know, <laughs> you know, I could be playing with my Nintendo or something. Nah. Do something, you know. No, let's uh, take a look at MX and TXT and C name records. Uh, but yeah, so I set it up. Um, you got to go to this uh, new section of the beta iCloud website. So you go to beta.icloud.com because it's a beta feature. And in, in the account settings, there's a new section for custom domains. I did this on my iPhone because now you can use the iCloud.com website on mobile. Didn't used to be like that years ago. Now it works. And yeah, you set it up. You follow the instructions. You verify your custom domain uh, by receiving an email message. And that's really the first most important step that you got to keep in mind. Apple is letting you do this only if you have an existing email address at the custom domain, right? So for example, if your custom domain is mike.com, and you want to use the email address me at mike.com, you have to, that address needs to exist already. That's what Apple is saying in the instructions. So first you get a message at that email address and you verify that you are the owner of that email address. And then you follow the steps for the DNS records. You wait a while, you wait a while and the DNS records propagate. You click continue and iCloud says it's all done. Now you can start using uh, your custom email address in iCloud Mail. And it took me about 30 minutes to figure this, figure this out because my host, um, my, my domain provider, had like a weird uh, DNS settings section. But then I was good to go. And Apple said, yeah, you're, you know, you're, you're set up. You can now use your custom email address. And I could use it from the web right away. I just went to iCloud Mail on the beta iCloud website and it displayed like this prompt saying, uh, do you want to pick a different default email address? And it allowed me to choose from my main sort of Apple ID email address, my alias and the new custom email address. And that was cool. But then I figured, okay, I guess that this will also exist on iOS and iPadOS. But yesterday, as of beta six, now, I don't know if there's a, actually, let me look. Maybe it's in beta 7, right? Maybe it's in beta 7. Maybe there's a proper I'm settings. a little bit confused by something that you said, though. Why yeah. do you need to have an existing email service to make this work? Do you know? I don't know, but the, but the page says... Actually, I cannot read you the thing, but it says you need to have an existing email address, uh, the existing email address that you're trying to configure. Huh, uh, okay. I don't know why. Hmm. I also thought that was weird, honestly. That is strange. Yeah, it says, add existing email addresses 
all of the add all of the email addresses that you currently use with this domain. You'll be asked to verify this during setup. Huh. You can create new email addresses after you finished setting up your domain. So yeah, it wants them to exist for some reason. But anyway, so I figured, okay, now I can use my iPhone and iPad and I can find those email, like that custom email address somewhere in settings, right? Uh, and I couldn't. It just, it wasn't showing up anywhere. And uh, so the, the way that this works is this morning I woke up and I opened mail and the custom email address was now part of the Sort of, you know how when you set up an alias for an iCloud mail address, Mm -hmm. the alias shows up in the from field Mm -hmm. when you're sending a message and the custom email address, it showed up like that after a few hours, basically. I just opened mail and I clicked on from and now the custom email address was an option. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So it, it looks like an alias, but it's not an alias. It's a custom email address for your domain. Yeah. This is interesting. I don't know why anyone would do this. Yeah, me neither. It's kind of my feeling on it. Like honestly, I don't know why I did it. I mean, you did it for science, right? For but science. Like I don't know why someone would do this. Like the iCloud email address service is not very good. Like, I can tell you that I immediately got in my inbox a message about win an iPhone 12. Yeah. That was obviously a spam message and it ended up in my inbox spam detection is very bad uh with icloud email uh take this from someone whose primary personal email address is an icloud email address Mm -hmm. your boy has spam (laughs) i mean like look you (laughs) can train this system but it's not very advanced like google uh does a lot better and many others do a lot better Uh, that's a very that's a very polite way to put it it's Mm -hmm. not very advanced it's not very advanced. You just tell things to go to spam. And then also, I, I have things... I have to check my spam folder quite frequently because it also works in the reverse for me. That uh, I get many emails that are not spam, but they get sent to spam. Hey-ho. Yeah. 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 In fact, when I tested the custom email address, uh, I emailed myself, right? I emailed myself mm-hmm. from my new fancy iCloud address to my Mac Stories one. And both of those messages ended up in spam. <laughs> because Google thought that my uh, <laughs> Google thought that my new iCloud powered email address was a, was a spammer. It's like hey, and vice it, versa. it's me myself. I'm sending myself oh. messages, but nope, you're spam. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. While you've been listening to this show, how would you know if your website had gone down? What if your customers couldn't click the buy button or fill out a trial form? You could stumble across this by luck. Maybe somebody sends you an email, but you've lost out on new customers by that point. You need something to tell you when everything's running smoothly on your website, and more importantly, when it isn't. That's why you need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every single month. That is more than 400,000 a day. And for as low as just $10 a month, Pingdom will help keep your site online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need real-time alerts about critical website issues and customization of them. Whether you want it by SMS, email, or one of your team's collaboration apps, Pingdom makes that happen for you. They'll even track and analyze your website over time so you can make sure you're seeing exactly what's affecting the user experience. If you have a website, you need Pingdom. Take charge of monitoring your 
site in minutes and go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and all of RelayFM. Alright, I'm just going to be honest here, okay? Things are about to get real weird for a bit. I just want to let everybody know this in advance. You can't say I didn't warn you. This next segment's going to be really strange. I mean, stranger than other things we've done on the show? Uh, probably not. But you know, I feel like I just want everybody to know in advance that it's going to things are about to get weird. So, on our last episode, well, actually, over the last few weeks, we've had an issue with Luxembourg. (laughs) 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 The the Luxembourg incident, yes, I remember that. Incident, as it will forever be known as in the lore of the show. It's a diplomatic situation we have going on. Yeah, the Luxembourg incident, um, which ended up leading to a situation where we put out a call on our last episode, to try and find listeners which we would be considered to be from the rarest places. <laughs> and I was, honestly, this was so good for me. We got so many tweets. And, like, I loved it. It was, it's been fantastic over the last week. I'm sure this is now something we're going to suffer from for the rest of our careers, people sending us these tweets as they randomly find things or, you know, it's just a part of who we are now and I'm fine with that. Especially if this takes off i don't remember if we came up with a name for this segment i think we didn't maybe this will just be something that happens to us uh, in time so but before we we get into so basically people have been sending in things we've been saving them i have had this whole list of people it was basically if it seemed like it was pretty easy for me to guess which ones i needed to save right like you know, we have people like, I'm oh, from Sweden. It's like Sweden is not going to be one of the, the yeah. rare country lists. Right? Not, not rare enough. No. Yeah. Um, but before we get into these, uh, some listeners, I had, there was a number of listeners, Federico, that are very disappointed in you. In me? Yes, in you. So on our last episode, you referenced Andorra as one of the smallest countries yeah. or the smallest country in the world. Uh-huh. Many people were upset that you didn't mention Vatican City, which is actually the smallest country in the <laughs> well, world. Well, why should I? <laughs> and then we'll get to tell me more, Federico. No, I could. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to say this politely, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't recognize that as a state. So nice, <laughs> nice, on. nice, 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 nice. <laughs> uh, you can. What was your iCloud email if people want to get in contact with you? <laughs> they can just. They can just go straight to that one, huh? Uh, all it's just right. a district of Rome, you know. Yeah, 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 sure. I, I don't know anything about this. Uh, don't look at me. No idea. All right. So I've taken a collection of people's tweets. So and so we have listeners names and where they're from. And what I decided to do was uh, the way that I wanted to try and judge this was to take a recent episode in our hosting provider and search through the database that they have. Hmm. and use that as a way to judge how many people potentially listen to this show from that location as a way to judge the rarity of that person. That's the way I decided to go with this. Does that make sense? So like somebody says, hey, I'm from country A, and then I would take the stats, look through, find country A, see how many people listened, and use this as a barometer of... Two things. One, how rare that person is, and then also just roughly uh, how m- many people we have listening from a certain location. 
this seemed like the most fun thing because I can look through the hosting thing and I can tell you what like the rarest countries are, but it seems more fun to me as as we and to all of us to put it on our listeners to think they're weird and then contact us first. And I think that that was the fun way to do it. So. Mm-hmm. I collected up a bunch. Most of them uh, I figured would be rare. Some of them I just put in there to try and add some context, like the first two, because I was like, hmm, who knows, right? So Casey, with a K, wrote in from New Zealand. Okay. So this is the, this is the lowest, uh, this is like number one on the list. These are going in ascending order or descending order I don't De- know which descending. one it is. Descending, descending order from biggest to smallest because I figured New Zealand's really far away and it's smaller than Australia yeah, right but I mean it seems like we're big in New Zealand big in New so Zealand we had <laughs> so all of these statistics are taken from episode 358 I decided to go two episodes back because it takes a couple of weeks for all of for everybody to right. listen to our episodes, which is always funny to me. It Not because it takes like a couple of weeks for the show to arrive in New Zealand. But <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's there's a lot there's a lot of distance to get the uh, bits over to the yeah, hot bits, all the bits. Mm-hmm. 190 people from New Zealand. So, Casey, you are not our weirdest listener. I don't think that's the right thing to <laughs> <Congrats>. say. <laughs> Congratulations, you're not our weirdest listener. Then we have Thomas from the neutral land of Switzerland. Mm. Switzerland's a pretty small country, I think. Um, yeah, so I mean, I feel, it, it, it is, yes. So I figured that Switzerland could be an interesting one. Switzerland has 8.5 million people in it. 8.5 million? Really? That's what Google tells me. And they're all in Switzerland? You're asking me if the if the population of Switzerland are all in Switzerland? Is that what you're asking me? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not really sure how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, out, they're, they're located all over the place. Now, it's 2019 uh, population of Switzerland is 8.5 million. Okay. Uh, 157 people from Switzerland listened to that episode, so... Mm. Thomas, you are not our weirdest listener. Congrats, I need to stop saying that, but I, I, I don't know what else to call it. Congratulations, uh, most unique, Thomas. most passionate. No, no, you're not the weirdest. That totally all right, works. great, cool, 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 cool. All right, Gabriel from Brazil. Now, bear with me on this one. All right, okay. Brazil, absolutely massive, right? One yes. of the largest countries in the world. Two hundred and eleven yes. million people live in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Right, but I thought. Far away, predominantly Spanish and Brazilian. Is it? Do they speak? They speak Spanish? Portuguese. Portuguese. Portu- I'm so sorry, everybody. I apologize significantly for my error there. I'm go- Look, let's be fair. Along with Federico's thing, we're going to make a lot of errors here about countries. All right, we're trying our yeah. best. Uh, but you know, so I figured it's not an it's not a predominantly English language, and that was one of my other things as well. Like, if I thought it would be interesting to include countries where English is not the predominant spoken language as well because i thought that that would be a barrier of entry for our show because Mm -hmm. we do speak mostly english on this show Uh, 121 people okay from brazil so okay well we are a disappointment then because brazil is so big so many people that only 121 listen from brazil what are we maybe we need a portuguese language version of the show we we, yeah we need the portuguese vertical of Mm -hmm. connected yeah I'm going to take a very quick diversion now. Uh, let me Actually, let me read the name of this next one, and then I can make the point that I want to make. So we have Andre 
No, but wait, check. hold on, hold on. Oh, Gabriel, on. you're not a weirdest Gabriel, listener. Gabriel, you are not a weirdest listener. We apologize. Andre from the Czech Republic. Now, okay. I looked this one up on Google, and uh, yes, I'm doing here. I'm checking all of the, the uh, populations as we go. That was not the same thing that I did in advance, and I should have. Uh, 10.6 million people live in uh, the Czech Republic. Okay. But as I bring it up, it says Czechia, right? Uh, which I think is now the name of the Czech Republic. So uh, Andrej told me they were from the Czech Republic, but it's Czechia, I think it's pronounced. But this has brought me to a thing that is a frustration to me. It's something that uh, is one of my one of my pet peeves. A thing that mm. I think the world should change, but I don't know how we would change it now. Every country pronounces the name of their country in the native language, and it's written down as such, right? Uh, so yes, what is the yes. name of your country, Federica? Italia. Exactly. And what do I call it? Italy. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. Yeah. Well, Silvia and I have had these conversations uh, about city names, right. right? Because, for example, and I think it's a very, like, American-centric thing to do. Like, in Italy, we don't say, I don't know, Nuova York for New York. We say New York, mm-hmm. right? But no, actually no, because we do change London to Londra. So yeah, I I think this isn't an American. This is a global no. thing because everybody does it. It's right? a global thing. Every yeah, country has thing. their own name for every other country, and I think that this is bananas. I yeah, don't know why right. we do that. There should be like a universal language that everybody speaks. Well, I don't even think you need that. Like, I think it could be, I mean, one, that yeah, it would be interesting if that such a thing was to exist. But I think it's possible to do this, right? Because you can even just do a phonetic spelling in the places where do we don't use the same uh, characters, right? So, like, you know, people, when I mentioned, so how would you do this for Japan and Russia or whatever? Well, it's like, well, the way that you would do it is you would just take the phonetic spelling of those words and then that would be it, right? Because I th- I think Japan, it's Nippon, right? Would yes. be the way that you would say it. Which, by the way, sounds nothing like Japan, right? Anyway, right? So I just, yeah. this is like, a, this is just one of my little um, pet peeves. It's like maybe, th- maybe Esperanto, the universal language, was not such a bad idea after all. Are you familiar with Esperanto? A Mike? little bit. I didn't know it was intended. I knew it was a language that's spoken in some parts of the world, but I didn't know it was intended to be a universal oh, language. The, the, the whole idea of Esperanto was to make it like the universal language that sort of takes on some... If I remember this correctly, because I've done the research like a couple of years ago, when I wanted to really study Esperanto in Duolingo, um, I did some research, and I'm pretty sure that it was like this experiment to come up with a universal language that takes on some traits of the what are they called indo-european languages and some of the uh uh there's a name for them like german-based languages but there's a proper noun it's like like english is also like a german-based language germanic Uh, germanic yeah probably and anyway uh it was like an experiment that was attempted i don't know when obviously didn't take off and but you can still study and speak Esperanto, I believe. For example, I can tell you that Michael was right would be Michaelo Pravis. Oh, that's so, nice. Michaelo Pravis in Esperanto. So Michaelo, you can go on with the show if you want. Forty-eight people from the Czech Republic. So Andre, you are not our weirdest listener. 
Next up, we have Firas from Saudi Arabia. Okay. 33 people from Saudi Arabia. So, Firas, mm. you are not our weirdest listener. Raka from Slovenia. Mm. 30 people from Slovenia. Big in Slovenia. Okay. <laughs> right? It's just interesting to me, some of these numbers, especially when next up is Argentina. Now, you know, we were big in Brazil. Could we be big in Argentina? Yeah. 28 no. people from Argentina, from what Facundo in Argentina. What are we doing? Some of these things are interesting to me. Why do we have more listeners in Slovenia than we do in Argentina? Why? Uh, well, it must be something that we said that resonated with the Slovenian audience. That's true. That's true. I don't know. Maybe it's... Because uh, like it Slovenia, was... Slovenia, population of 2 million. Argentina, 44 million. So what's going what's, on there? What's up with that? Like, right? I know one of our Slovenian listeners. His name is Anze. I've been to Slovenia. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, on a school trip. In high huh. school. Yeah. Why? <laughs> why did you pick Slovenia? Well, I don't know. Talk to the school principal. I don't know why, but the trip was to Slovenia for some reason. Well, that's interesting. But, but, but uh, like, you know, actually school trips usually have a reason, though. Well, you know, the reason was to go see... Um, oh, God. What's the name of the capital of Slovenia? Um, oh, my. I'm terrible at this. Um, well, I can use Google for this, can't I? It's, it was... Um, Lub... Oh, Ljubljana, Ljubljana, something like that. Ljubi, yeah, that, that, that city. Oh uh, man, yeah, it was like uh, we went to a museum. I honestly, you know, high school trips, you know, seventeen. I wasn't paying a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. uh, I do remember that it got pretty tragic at some point because oh, we were no. like, yeah, <laughs> okay. because we we were on the school bus. Uh -huh. We were like on the highway somewhere in Slovenia, and at some point the bus stops, and we're all wondering like, what's going on? Was is there an accident ahead? And um, and I and I turn like I I sort of uh, take a look out of the window of the bus, and I see a severed foot on the oh. road. Yeah, and that was pretty tragic, honestly. And and mm. like everybody was staring at the foot, and um, there there was a pretty bad accident up ahead. And so we I stayed, mean, like, Federico, as far as accidents go, that's going to be a bad one. Yeah, right? it was a bad one. Bad it was accident. A bad one. You were right. It was a bad one. It was a there was a, an ambulance and everything, and everybody. It was kind of you would hope so. Yeah, you? yeah, and uh, and and we stayed for like two hours on the bus. Um, and the foot was there, and then eventually the police came and covered the foot with a blanket. Um, so yeah, Slovenia, uh, dr drive safely if you can. Facundo from Argentina, <laughs> you are not our witness listener. I think Federico is now. <laughs> uh, Mood from Oman, 23 people from Oman. Okay. So Mood is not our witness listener. Yeah. Nguyen from Vietnam. Also, 23 people from Vietnam. It's a new one. You are not our weirdest listener. Yeah. Congrats. Ramon from Colombia. Oh, now we're getting in the, in the you know, below 20s. Now, this, yes. this gets really interesting. Okay. 19. Is Ramon our weirdest listener, Federico? No, Ramon is not. <laughs> Congrats, Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think people want to be, right? That's why they wrote in. Well, oh, everybody, sorry, everybody that contacted us was hoping that they were going to be that that person who would be considered the weirdest listener of Connected. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sebastian from Chile. 
No, you skipped one. Marged? I thought I just did that. Marged from Syria. 15. Yeah. Marged. You are not our witness. I'm sorry. But you already knew that because I skipped one. Sebastian from Chile with 12. Okay. Sebastian, I'm sorry. Not the weirdest listener. Sorry, Sebastian. Can you explain the next one? Yes. Tom from (laughs) Jersey. (laughs) Why is this funny to you, Federica? Isn't Jersey like a, like, like a, a, a state of the United States? That's New Jersey. And what because is there Jersey? is an old Jersey. Jersey is the largest of the Channel Islands between England and France, a self-governing no dependency of the United Kingdom with a mix of British and French cultures. Uh, it, it, uh, so uh, it's funny to me. It says it's known for its beaches, cliffside walking. You know what it's mostly known for for me? That's where all the offshore accounts are. They're in Jersey. Ah. I knew this in my banking days. We, people wanted offshore accounts. Sure, you Jersey know from your for banking tax days. reasons. Sure. I, look, Federico, I, I cannot allow, <laughs> I will not allow for any kind of exposure uh, uh, well, to be cast on me having bank offshore account banking jokes accounts. Jokes are, are forbidden now? Okay. I don't want to... <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, wait, yeah. <laughs> when, when did we agree that this was okay? Sure, I don't I guess have that's offshore a... banking. I, I have no offshore banking. That's where you draw the line, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, I'll draw the line there. Uh, 10 people from Jersey. This is unbelievable. Less than 100,000 people live in Jersey. Which is not, which is not New Jersey, once again. It's this old is an Jersey. island. It's like we have, there is York. There's New York. We have York. Wait, there's Hampshire. York? Hampshire. We have, wait, look, all of the places that are new in America, the reason they're new is because we have the old one. And they have not replaced the old one? Why would you do that? Uh, because there's new. Like, <laughs> no. No. Like, we keep, didn't we all have the people the from York move to New York? No. Nope. Well, I mean, some of them, maybe. Well, this is confusing. As Pastor Boy says in the chat, there is a Zealand in the Netherlands, hence New Zealand. No, that's impossible. Okay. This was a fun one for me. Oh, wait, Tom, you are not our weirdest listener. Unbelievably, I think. Cesar from Panama. Panama. Panama was just interesting to me to see. Mm-hmm. Uh there were six people. So says, are you are not our weirdest listener? Six people from Panama. Yeah. Now, now we're under five. So, okay. at this point, we will not be claiming who or who is not the weirdest listener because we're going to need to come to some decisions, which you'll understand <laughs> <all> shortly. <laughs> because we need to make a decision here. And now we're getting into such low numbers, it's not clear. And there is something in a minute which is, Specifically unclear. So, Potter from Guatemala. Oh. Four listeners from Guatemala. Okay. Guatemala, sorry, Guatemala. Not Guatemala. <laughs> I don't know if they have llamas in Guatemala. If they did, it would be very confusing. The Guatemala. Yeah. That's what you'd have to call them, though, right? Let me see. Sure. Do they have llamas in Guatemala? I'm sure somebody does. I mean, there's a lot. Oh, oh my God. Actually, I, they do. <laughs> this that's no that can't be right that's just i think actually just lots of people have entered information for llamas in guatemala and uh into google so it's confusing my search results jerome from monaco mm. two people from monaco 
One of them is Jerome. So. One of them is Jerome. Saad from Qatar. Wow, fancy. Okay. Two people from Qatar. Amir from Palestine. Two people from Palestine. You see how okay. we're in all the twos here? That makes okay. it, again, complicated. Umar from Botswana. Ooh. Right? Ooh. Botswana? Botswana. Super good. We've got Botswana. Also, uh, that's in Southern Africa. 2.3 million people live in Botswana, by the way. One. And that's Umar. That's Umar. <laughs> Umar, who is literally in the Discord right now, which is incredible. No way. Yep. Oh, my. Blend from Kosovo. Here's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, we have a Kosovo problem now. The Kosovo issue. Zero. Uh, I cannot find Kosovo in the statistics for any episode. As far as our hosting provider is concerned, nobody has ever listened to our show from Kosovo. Blend, did you tell us the truth or not? This is what I can't decide, right? Mm. I feel like, mm, okay. But here's the thing. So now we're into how are we going to make this decision? Because I think anybody under five, we're going to have to start playing some statistics, some games here. So I started looking at populations, right? Okay. So there are 2.3 million people that live in Botswana. So I would say that's a lot of people that could listen to our show if they wanted to. Sure. Only, But one of them does. You see what this is where I'm going with this. I'm not going by proportion of people to that that because what we are trying to find with this whole thing, the whole Luxembourg situation pointed out, is the if you listen in your country, it's how many people live in your country that could listen, therefore making you the strangest because you do it. That's how I look at this. This is how I think about this. I know there are a couple of different ways to cut this cake, but that's the one that makes the most sense to me. It's there is X amount of people in your country. If you listen, it makes you strange, right? Mm. So here's where it falls for me, Federico. Monaco has... 38,000 people that live in it. 38,000? Yes. Okay. That is the official population of Monaco. So this is the Monaco of the of the, the Grand Prix of Monaco, the F1 yep. thing. Yep. Okay. Yep. The Monaco. Okay. Yes, because I think somewhat similar to Vatican City, which I don't want to get into all of that again, mm-hmm. uh, it's like was a part of something, then became its own thing, you know? Yeah. So Monaco has 38,000 people that live in it. So I feel like, even though Jerome is one of two people, which is unbelievable, the hit rate we have in Monaco, I would say that Monaco is the most peculiar country out of this list to listen to our show from, because there is only 39,000 people that live there. Mm, I don't know, though. Because all of the other all of the other countries that we're talking about, so Guatemala, uh, Palestine, Qatar, Botswana, Kosovo, but you, but, but you also gotta consider like the the like these the technology available 
right? We can't make that decision though. We're not we're not <sighs> smart enough to make that decision. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I really wanted Umar to win. Umar from Botswana? I mean, it's Umar from Botswana. You know, like, sure, like, Jerome from Monaco. I mean, sure, Monaco is like a very small country. But I don't know. It, it's it's not, like when you think of Monaco, it's not weird, right? Mm. You see Monaco in the news pretty frequently, right? Like, mm-hmm. how frequently do you have uh, any idea of what's going on in our Western society of what's going on in Botswana. Fair. You know? So I would, look, again, we're making the rules here. (laughs) There's no official process. I'm very, like, considering Umar, you know how I can slice this, Federico? You know how this one works for me? As far as we're aware, Umar is literally the only person in their country that listens to our show. Umar is the only person in their country Located in Southern Africa, Umar also happens to be live right now in Listening. the Discord. Like, what are the chances of this happening when you think about it? And here's another thing I'll tell you. So all of these under five today, I've spent some time in Photoshop mocking up the connected artwork that we'll use for the rest of this episode in honor of nice. whoever the weirdest listener is. The Botswana flag looks great with us. <laughs> With our friend, it looks really good because it's just stripes, so it makes sense. It's blue, white, and black. I think it has to be Botswana. So we're going to go with Umar from Botswana being our weirdest listener. Umar, you are our weirdest listener of Connected from Botswana. So congrats. It's you. So now for the rest of this episode, we're going to be flying the Botswana flag... Uh, as part of our artwork. Congratulations, Umar. You have you have brought home this honor for your country. <laughs> <laughs> I would just let you know, though, Umar, you are currently, currently our weirdest listener. Yes. This is not a lifetime honor. It's not a lifetime achievement. This could change for any set of circumstances. Oh, my God. But, Umar, you're the weirdest fish. Oh, my Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would have taken us this long to realize that. Like Link, every time I was saying weirdest, I'm like, this this rings a bell for me. And I'm not sure why. Umar, you are our weirdest fish. Yeah. Congratulations, Umar. It's you. It's always Honestly, been you. <laughs> it's always been you. It's always been you, Umar. It's always been you. Um honestly the only case in which I would assign a lifetime achievement for a weird listener from somewhere would mm-hmm. be an off-planet situation. Like yeah, an astronaut that's listening from the space station. Oh, no, that, wouldn't that be great, though? Imagine that. like, Or someone of these new fancy like private flights, you know? Doesn't have to be a NASA astronaut listening to Connected. I want from- visual proof of that, though. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. If that ever happens, and I mean, Stranger Things, have, well, no. no. Have Stranger Things happened? No, that they would haven't. be the strangest. I can tell you categorically, nothing stranger has happened than somebody listening to our show from space. Yeah. But, but I mean, it could happen. Hey, I'm convinced that at some point in our careers, it will happen, but it's just about when. Right. I think so, too. 
This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, it was so easy to be a private person. The internet has changed that. Everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, tweeted, this data can all be crawled through, collected, aggregated, and this information can be used with, without your permission. It can be sold for advertising. People buy and sell this data. There are hundreds of data brokers out there. This is what they do. They don't have to tell you who they're selling it to. They don't have to get your consent. This is data that's available. Having your life exposed for others to take advantage of, this is something you wouldn't have had to worry about in the past. But to keep your data private online, to keep our data private online, we can turn to ExpressVPN. One of the inf pieces of information that people have is your IP address. This can be used to uniquely identify you and your location and is very frequently used to sell like geo-targeted ads to you or to track you around on the online. But with ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and your IP address is masked. So when you turn on ExpressVPN, you're given a random IP address shared by a bunch of ExpressVPN customers, which makes it even more difficult for third parties to identify individual people and try and use that data about them. The best part of all of this is how easy it is to use ExpressVPN. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop, or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. One of my favorite uses of ExpressVPN is if I'm connected to, say, like hotel Wi-Fi or something. Uh, I love to be able to just turn it on, and I don't have to worry about the fact that this free internet uh, service that is given to me, I don't know anything about it. You know, it's, it's open, people can connect to it. And what I love is I can use ExpressVPN, get connected, feel safe, and then I never even have to worry about my internet speed getting slowed down. Like, we could still watch video easily, like from streaming services, no problem. So if, like me, you believe your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Go to expressvpn.com slash connected and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash connected. Let's go to expressvpn.com slash connected to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So Federico. Yes. This week marks 10 years of Tim Cook's uh, time as CEO of Apple. So I wanted to kind of look at a little bit of this, of Tim at 10, is what we'll mm -hmm. call it. Which Tim, I kind at of like. Tim at 10. Mm -hmm. is Tim, Tim would be our weirdest listener, right? Yeah. If Tim Cook listened to this show, that would oh, be pretty well, strange. That'd be pretty odd, yeah. Kind of awkward, strange. too. It would be yeah, you know? pretty awkward, especially as about to talk about him so much. Yeah. So... Tim Cook will very shortly become Apple's second longest running CEO. So John Scully also had a 10-year run. Steve was in the role for about 14 years in total. Uh, it's likely that uh, – my expectation is that Tim Cook will, uh, will, will become Apple's longest running CEO at some point. I don't think there's any particular reason that he wouldn't unless he didn't want to be anymore, right? Because mm – -hmm. I mean, one of the things that's changed under Tim Cook is monstrous financial performance. So I, The yes. Verge wrote a good article about this that I got some of the stuff from. So, you know, it's, this is some of the stuff we know, right? Apple is now the most valuable and profitable company in the world. Quarterly earnings are four times what they were from when he took over. They're currently sitting on $200 billion in cash and have doubled in size employee-wise as a company. So money is what they do. Pretty strong performance, especially when you consider all the switch to services, which, to be fair, like, well done, right? Because they totally called, like, that that, that was going to be a thing. And the expansion first onto, you know, um, storage and then music 
and then all the other things like some of the services that they have launched have not been a success or maybe they haven't been a success yet mm -hmm. like you could take a look at Apple News for example right and that's been kind of a dud um, there's been the, the you know the new Apple podcast thing still not clear whether that's going to be a success or not they are going to rebrand iCloud uh, you know the paid subscription plan as iCloud Plus in the mm -hmm. fall but by and large I would say that especially with Apple Music and you know uh, convincing people to pay up for iCloud and the App Store if you consider that a service and Apple Arcade pretty pretty good run so far for the Switch 2 services I would say yeah, and their switch to services is an interesting point, right? Because this is one of the few things, I think, which, you know, because this is one of the few things that we can clearly see there wasn't any plan for this from before, right? This is a pure, like, Tim Cook Apple move. Because, I mean, 10 years whilst being a long time, they will have had a multiple-year runway from when Steve was still around, and they had to see that through and then move on from there. Services is one of those things. And also, honestly, services is something that I could imagine that not every CEO would have felt the need to pursue. You know, like the services stuff for Apple really became a thing when they when the when Wall Street was getting worried about their potential to grow as a company, right? And it's not necessarily something they would have had to have pushed on as hard as they have, but they have, and it's become a big part of the company. And I mean, honestly, like I know that it frustrates some longer time Apple fans about this whole services thing. You know, you can go back to like, ah, why they make a TV show? It's just fix the Mac, right? Like, which was a thing that people were talking about for a long time. But I think all in all, they've done a really good job with the services stuff. I'm happy yeah, with all of so. the things that I pay for. And there's a bunch of stuff that I don't even use that I'm paying for, but I don't need them, but I have no problem with it, you know? Like, I've never used Fitness Plus, but I know it's there if I ever want to. Have you ever used Fitness Plus? Uh, no, because I have my own fitness instructor at home, so... You have a live-in fitness instructor. I have a, I have a live-in certified <laughs> fitness instructor who also happens to live with me, which is very convenient, wow. let me tell you that, so... Convenient, but I guess also a little bit frustrating because you can't get away from it, can you? No. No. But that's also what makes it, you know, Effective. it's a thing mm -hmm. because it makes it extra tough because um, I'm also like, she tends to be very uh, strict, strict with me in a way that she isn't with, I'm talking about Silvia, by the way, <laughs> uh, in, in a way that she isn't with uh, other people. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like she takes out some of the frustration with other students on me, which is fun. Uh, I can live with that. And how, but it's, Federico, it's tough. How does that make you feel? Uh, sometimes very <laughs> bad. <laughs> We're doing therapy right now, by the way. Sometimes, very, yes, I know. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes uh, quite bad, mm -hmm. but I also know it's for the greater good because, I mean, over the past year or so, I've lost like 15 kilograms, which looking, is pretty you awesome. Great. You look great. Yeah, thank you. So it's working. I need to be more precise mm -hmm. at it. You know, I got to, you know, keep my schedule and everything. It tends to, I tend to fall off on the exercise mm -hmm. when I have this extra busy work thing. Well, that's a priorities thing, right? You know, yeah. like... Uh, launch day for the club I haven't moved from my chair at mm -hmm. all you know 
But what you gotta do? I don't know. I guess I'm supposed to be like one of those. Uh, <laughs> have you ever seen those those stories? Like, uh, live like like a successful CEO, and you know, wake up at six, hit the gym. Drink. Oh, that was actually talking about our friend Tim Cook. There was a profile uh, recently about him where he was referencing getting up at five a.m. or something every day, or like four a.m. I, I can do that. I can do can that. Can you imagine that? Like, yeah. <gasps> Apple CEO Tim Cook explains why he starts his day before 4 a.m. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know. The one true John does it, but he's not a CEO. So I think he does it <laughs> just because he likes it. I feel like you're the one holding him down there, my friend. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. Sometimes I see this story. It's like, it's kind of like a meme of like, here's how I'm a successful CEO managing a company of like 200 people. I wake up at five, I hit the gym, I drink two liters of water before breakfast, I read one book a day. It's like, sure, okay, yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen those like super motivational stories on Medium or something? Oh, of course. Yeah. So let me read you a quote from this. It was in the Australian Financial Review. They just did like a big interview and profile of him. Uh, when asked about why 4 a.m., like why 4 a.m. for him, I do that because I can control the morning better than the evening and the through morning. the day. <laughs> the morning! Uh, I do... <laughs> oh, man, really Stephen needs to come back. This one, this one's off the rails. Uh, I do that because I can control the morning better than the evening and through the day. Things happen through the day that kind of blow you off course. The morning is yours. The morning is yours. Uh, or should I say the early morning is yours. Now, I have a theory about this, right? Because this thing that you're referencing, I don't think that waking up at four o'clock in the morning makes you a good CEO. Mm-hmm. I think when you are a big time powerful CEO, you have to wake up at four in the morning if you don't want people to bother you. Yeah. I think that's, that's what thing. he's getting at here, right? Look, and I said this before, and while we're talking about Tim Cook, I genuinely believe Tim Cook is one of the most powerful people on the planet. Yes. More so than many world leaders. Yes. Maybe more so than pretty much all of them. Mm-hmm. Because can't be voted out as such, right? All he has to do is do a good job and he'll stay doing his thing. That's not the case of world leaders in most countries, right? Like the American president can do the best job ever, but they have a limited time and they're out, right? Yeah. Tim Cook is just there. And we spoke about this, like we, you know, I was talking about this uh, quite a bit with all of the CSAM stuff on upgrade and whatever. Like companies, large companies, large tech companies, they're almost like controlling powers in our world now, right? Like they are law enforcement in a way. Like they enforce laws on behalf mm. of countries. Like so, Tim Cook is one of the most powerful people in the world. He probably needs those four in the morning wake up times so we can actually get a bit of peace. I can see that. Probably that's not when people are bothering him. Although you you got to believe there's someone who's forced to wake up at five because he wakes up at four, right? Mm. Right? Like someone who works for him, like they, they wake up that early because oh, yeah. he wakes up that early, you know? For that's sure. That's just the yes. way it's going to go. But that's just what it's like to, I guess, be like the executive assistant of the one of the most powerful people on the planet. I think that Tim Cook gets a lot of criticism or like people just in general think that, oh, I don't 
like him because of this thing for the company. Mm. You know, like, the, I don't like this thing that Apple's doing. It's Tim Cook's fault, you know? And I understand why you can say that because he's the CEO, right? But I don't necessarily think it's as simple as that a lot of the time. I think we had this conversation a long time ago about Eddie Q, mm-hmm. right? That, like, we were saying that we think that Eddie Q is, gets a bit of a bad rap, that people think that he's, for some reason, not good at his job. I don't really know mm-hmm. exactly why. Uh, but he obviously clearly is. And there was that whole thing in the Steve Jobs book about him, right? About like how good of a deal maker he is. Yeah. And like that is actually his job anyway now, right? Like his <laughs> deal maker. Um, so, you know, that's fine. But anyway, what? Do you, how do you feel about Tim Cook in general as CEO of Apple? Do you have any particular feeling on it? Well, I think it... I think he was able to step out of Steve's shadow. Honestly, that was like the biggest issue in the first couple of years, I think. Yep. Um, he When he started out as CEO, I feel like the general consensus was that he was not a really charismatic person, maybe. Mm-hmm. But no one could really achieve the same no. level of personality and charisma of Steve Jobs. You couldn't put anyone on the stage next who was going to exactly. be able. Because even their next best is like Craig Federighi. is just not as good. No, exactly. Exactly. But I feel like, you know, I think he, I think he found his, his way and the, 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 how he will be remembered. And I think also like in the first few years, his past at Apple, I think it was influencing a lot of people's opinions about him. Like when you, when you used to see like a lot of people saying, oh, the operations guy is yes. now in charge. He only the cares about money. Is running you know, the company. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. And I feel like so where he came from also influenced you know people's opinions a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But I think over time, I believe how Tim Cook will be remembered one day. And I mean, it's not like he's leaving his job or anything. But if we were to wrap it up right now, um, he will be remembered as the CEO who took Apple into this new services era mm-hmm. successfully, very successfully. Um, expanded the product line with AirPods and Apple Watch. And just in general. In general, yes. All of the product lines are larger. They have more variation. Revived the Mac pretty successfully so far, honestly. Yep. And took Apple in in a series of new directions when it comes to privacy and when it comes to being a more socially responsible, you know, company mm-hmm. you know caring for the environment social in- initiatives with schools with young developers you know helping out certain districts for example certain neighborhoods being the, just a more socially aware and responsible company mm-hmm. that i feel right as of today will be tim cook's legacy couldn't agree with you more on that Right, like the products that have been under his tenure, you know, kind of like Apple Watch probably. I think that was what people were saying was like the first non-Steve product, right? Mm -hmm. Then you say like Apple Silicon, um, maybe the iPad Pro to a a sense, Uh, AirPods, right? And then the services. AirPods for sure. That's where we are now. And like, you know, whilst there, none of these, and then, you know, the next stuff is AR and VR, right? Mm-hmm. AR is very clearly something that he cares about greatly. And I'm intrigued to see 
what that materializes into, like seriously for them. Because look, the thing that people will say and the thing that people continue to say about him is that he, you know, he hasn't had his hit, right? No Mac, no iPhone, no iPad. There's, there's AirPods. That's You're probably right, actually. But I mean, it's easy to maybe discount them because it's sim- a small it's, thing. It's an accessory. It's, an accessory. It, it's not yeah. a platform. But AirPods are a huge hit. But maybe it will be AR and VR. I did actually as well like want to think about like a, what I think is something that's a potential challenge for Tim Cook, which is uh, Apple's corporate culture. This seems to be something that is really starting to heat up. Mm-mm. And this might be one of those things that like it may stay confined to technology-focused media for a while, but... Mm-hmm. I would say that wider media is always looking for a story about Apple now, right? And there have been... The Verge is doing a lot of reporting on this uh, at the moment, especially as Zoe Schiffer seems to have, like, the ear of some people at Apple and and has been reporting on a lot of stuff. And one of the things that's just happened is, like, seems like there are a number of employees are organizing under, like, this banner called apple 2 like hashtag apple 2 i'll put a link in the show notes in case people have missed this but i think this like you know we've been talking about this off and on for a while like the corporate culture to return from work stuff uh there's been some uh reports of like mistreating of uh sexual harassment cases like these things are going to keep going and there's stuff that happens at every single tech company but this is like a similar thing to apple's privacy stance and why they got so much flack for the way that they were handling the csam stuff is if as a company you put a flag in the ground about how you're better than everybody else in a certain thing the places where you fail will be highlighted because you you say that you're better than this yeah and there seems to be some stuff at Apple which isn't right. I mean, I, I, I maintain my position that they should be more flexible with work from home now, especially after what everybody's been through over the last couple of years. I agree. They've yes. proven that it is possible, and I feel like it should be decisions that are devolved to managers, you know, um, rather than being like a, an overall process. But we're getting a bit in the weeds here. But I did just want to mention it because it is something that I think could be a problem for them and it's going to be ultimately something that he's going to have to change the environment of if he wants to and if he doesn't i mean it's his it's his prerogative but it could potentially change the way that they attack talent but that was a bit of a tangent nevertheless i personally am a big fan of tim cook i think he's i mean i love apple we all do right and i think that he has uh taken a bunch of steps to make the company continue to be interesting to us, good and bad, um, and has definitely secured its future into the long term. Like I was thinking about this recently, about if, you know, one of the things that people say, and this is actually maybe, again, another mark, is the China issue with Apple, right? Mm -hmm. That they're very linked to China. And that is something else to watch out for for the next 10 years is to if or how Tim Cook starts to undo any of that. So I was yep. wondering, like, if they had to pull out of China and couldn't make a product, how long could they last on their cash reserve if they couldn't sell products? Like, I worked it out, like, it would be multiple years <laughs> that they could last for. Yes. Which is incredible. 
as a thought for a company of their size. They have so much cash in the bank. They could last for a long time paying all of their people and not sell a product. Yeah, I mean, realistically, they're never going away, right? Seems like that. Yeah, so. Happy birthday, Tim Cook, I guess it's a thing. Ten years is quite incredible, though. It's gone by fast. It doesn't feel like it, right? No. This episode is brought to you by Hello. Hello make incredibly comfortable buckwheat pillows. I don't know if you've ever tried a buckwheat pillow before, but it is very different from a regular fluffy pillow. They support your head, your neck, you know, so it doesn't collapse under the weight of your head like a traditional pillow would. And they also stay super cool and dry compared to other like feather or foam pillows. Buckwheat breathes better. Air can is able to pass through the pillow more easily. You have to do that flipping to the cool side thing. It doesn't get warm, doesn't get humid. And you can also adjust your hollow pillow by just removing or adding the filling so you can make it just the size that you want. I absolutely adore my buckwheat pillow. I've been sleeping on one for years now. Federico, you may remember me bringing this pillow home. I do. Yes. <laughs> I remember it, the pillow. Yep. Yes. It was, a, I, I picked it up. It was, this was before, I mean, hello now, they, they do shipping to other places, but at the time they were just shipping to the US and they wanted to send me one for the ads and I was able to get this pillow and I had to check it uh, at the yes. <laughs> onto the plane. Uh, I adore my hollow pillow. I've been sleeping on it every night since. It is absolutely fantastic. It really has just changed. Like if I ever, I'm in an environment where I'm not on one of these, it's just like, oh, it's just not comfortable. Like I, if I'm on a regular pillow now, not comfortable for me. Buckwheat all the way. Hollow is made in the USA with quality construction and materials. The certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability and the buckwheat is grown and milled in the US. You're probably curious to try one of these out. And you should be. And you can. Go and sleep on it for 60 nights. And if Hollow isn't right for you, you can just send it back and get a refund. Go to hollowpillow.com slash connected right now and you can get your very own buckwheat pillow. That's hollowpillow.com slash connected. And if you buy more than one, they have a special discount of up to $20 off depending on the size you opt for. They have fast free shipping of every order and 1% of all profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. Give it a try. If you love it, keep it. If you don't, just send it back. That's hollowpillow, H-U-L-L-O-P-I-L-L-O-W.com slash connected. A thanks to Hello for the support of this show and Relay FM. So Federico, you've been pretty busy. Yes. This past week. Uh, I want to try and see if I can do this for you. A quick overview of the brand new Club Mac stories. Okay, go for right. it. There is a new web app available for Club Mac stories uh, subscribers, members. What do you call them? Subscribers or members? Members. Fallen on at the first hurdle. Club Mac Stories members. This this new web app features newsletter content. So the newsletter that goes out every week is now available on the web. So it's a new format. You can click around and see a bunch of uh, categories and it's, all, uh, it's laid out very nicely. There are also some new pricing tiers for the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is Club Mac Stories Plus and Club Premiere. These feature mo- have more features available to them, including... Uh, this web tool having advanced search so you can search for stuff that you're looking for custom RSS feeds which is my favorite so you can make RSS feeds out of uh, Club Max Stories content some exclusive content and access to the Club Max Stories Discord yes did that do a good job for you? Uh, you just missed the discounts uh, discounts pretty good I love a discount there are discounts from popular applications from some of your favorite developers 
Now, one people can go and they can read about this on Mac Stories, and you had a great episode of App Stories talking about it. There's also an ad-free version of App Stories available now as well, which yep. is something included in Premiere. But what I wanted to talk to you about today is the CMS and web app that you built. Okay. Uh, it's called Calliope. Yes. Why would somebody build a CMS in 2021? <laughs> why, why, why would you do this? Why did you do this? It felt like the culmination of of sort of how I've changed as a as a business owner and as a creator over the years. Um, I've always, you know, I've been talking over the past few years about taking control of all the technologies that I use and refusing, just outright refusing to lock myself into proprietary things. And so whenever I saw, you know, some of my colleagues on other websites get on this fancy new service, or now we're going to publish stories on Facebook, now we're going to do Google AMP, now we're going to do, you know, exclusive subscriptions on Apple News, I always refused because I knew that Ultimately, I don't think those services are going to be successful uh, because those platforms, they don't really care about publishing your stuff on the web as much as you think they do. And also because I have been obsessed in a good way with being able to leave a legacy behind. And so being able to leave what, all all these things that I've done, right? All these words that I've written, all these words that I've said, to be able to fully control them in a way that I know they will stick around no matter what. And maybe that's a maybe that's a grim way to look at it, but it just makes me feel more comfortable with with the things that I do, you know. Mm-hmm. And honestly, building a CMS was the obvious solution for what we have planned for Mac stories in the future. When, if you think about it, uh, now we have the, the regular website, which is not going away. I've seen a bunch of people ask about this. Like today, we blogged on Mac stories, like John and I, regular blog posts on Mac stories. Mac stories is the center of everything we do, right? With the news, the reviews, the stories, the links. Um, but we also have the club. So we have members who want more out of that. And we have a bunch of podcasts and we have digital products that you can buy from Mac Stories Pixel, right? We have the icons Mm -hmm. that you can buy there. And in the future, maybe we're going to have new products as well. And we have some ideas for other things that we may want to do in the future, like physical objects, right? Physical goods, merchandise, that kind of stuff. Uh, And other, you know, let's call them verticals that, that we may do as part of Mac Stories. And it felt like it makes more sense to have a platform that is ours, that is unique to us, that does exactly what we want to, that doesn't lock us into anything, and that and that, which also you know that includes the membership system, but that's a different conversation. Um, and so, the, building a CMS in 2021 makes sense for us because it's not just about providing like a website for the newsletters there's it's much more than that it's about building the max stories platform for the next 10 years Mm -hmm. the way i see it in its first decade and plus really in its first 12 years max stories was a wordpress website where we were able to add in additional properties and the way I look at it, over the next decade, we're going to bring everything together as much as possible 
like I'm not saying that the Mac Stories homepage will be stuffed with, you know, a bunch of things that you don't care about, but it makes more sense instead of using, you know, a CMS for this and another CMS for that and a service for this feature and a different service for that other feature. It makes more sense to bring everything in-house and do it ourselves. So just to like, I probably should have done this earlier, but a CMS is a content management system. And for Federico, that means publishing blog posts and podcasts. No. So like the Relay FM website is powered by our own CMS. I mean, the reason we did it, like, because I made that joke to Federico at the start, I mean, the reason we have a CMS at Relay FM is when we started seven years ago, there just wasn't something that could could power a podcast network. There's lots of options for single podcasts, but not really to do something in a neat way for a set of, we were five then, yep. but with more uh, to come in the future. Uh, but for you, right, like, there are many options available to... Mm to do the kinds of things in mm. theory, mm. which is like publishing text or whatever. But sure. as we know, and as like I've learned over the years, have, once you start going down this route or all of custom stuff, you then get into the world that you're into, which is, but I want it done just the way I yeah. want it to be done. Yes. And that's that's where things can become yeah. a little trickier maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and that was really the ultimate, like, uh, when we made the final decision months ago to pull the plug on the system that we were trying to to adapt to ourselves, uh, we were trying to make it all work using Ghost, which is a popular uh, open source CMS. But ultimately, what we wanted to do, which was the idea of a modular system where um, the same article can exist in multiple places. Uh, so the, the, the thing that Calliope allows us to do, which is a section of a newsletter is both a part of a, of a bigger thing. So it's a, it's a small section of a newsletter, which includes other sections, but the same post, the same article is also its own standalone story, which means you can link it, you can open it, you know, in its own on its own page, you can share that story with other people as well. So the same thing can exist in multiple places. And if you were, you know, and, and when you add in the ability to um, for for the same story um, to be presented differently depending on the kind of reader you are. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the things that Calliope allows us to do is, if you are reading this this article. And you are, you know, uh, a regular member, you see this content. If you are a Plus or Premier member, you see this extra content in the same story, right? So it's like, imagine if an article had a bunch of conditional blocks, like in Shortcuts, right? And those blocks decided what the content should be. That's what Calliope allows us to do. And you can see how going forward, I could do things like over the next few weeks, even where. For example, I could say, uh, I'm sharing my home screen in Mac Stories Weekly. Um, now that I have Calliope, now that we have a new website, um, I can share the link to my home screen article, right? But usually, I prefer to put the image, the screenshot of my home screen at the top of the story. However, that poses a problem because if you are a free user, which means you are not a Club Mac Stories member, you just click the link on Twitter, and you land on the story, you see the screenshot and the first paragraph 
and then you don't see the rest of the article, but maybe you know, maybe you just want to see the image, and you're like, yeah, I see the image for free. That's fine. I don't need to sign up to read the rest of the explanation. But what I can do now is, well, if you are a free user and you think you're smart because you clicked the link on Twitter, I'm gonna sh show you a blurred image. If you are signed in at the top of the story, you're gonna see my actual home screen. You know, and that's the kind of thing that I can do now, which is in the same story without too many complications, I can say, depending on the kind of user you are, this is what you see. And then from there, you're able to build a bunch of interesting and intriguing things, right? Yes. But if you start with that as the core, then this is, it builds out because, I mean, you have grander plans for this than just publishing Yes. even what is something which is very important, which is the Clubs at Max Stories content, but you have even grander plans for it. Yeah, so um, right now we, we launched this um, over the past few months. It took us a while because over the past few months we have manually imported uh, just about 3,000 posts or six years of Club Max stories. So it's when, when you count it all up, it would be 350-something 300, uh, newsletters. Um, so right now Calliope contains both the uh, it contains six years of content or uh, 3,000 posts. Now, we are going to begin a longer process, which is the migration of MaxStories.net, so the main website, which is a 12-year-old website that has over 15,000 articles that we have published since 2009. And we're going to migrate all of it to Calliope over the next you know, few months. It's going to take us a while. It's a lot of copy and paste, man. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I assume it's a little bit more advanced than that. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a lot more advanced than that. Actually, Alex is going to have like a technical overview of Great. how he was able to pull this off. But I can just tell you that he, he built a, a, a special parser for MailChimp to make the job easier for us. And that parser, which is now useless because we're not going to use it anymore since we can now assemble the newsletters in Calliope directly. But that parser needed to run through the weird HTML of MailChimp newsletters, which I can tell you it's probably the weirdest HTML you ever see in your life. So, um, but yeah, but switching this to Mac Stories means we are building this platform where all the websites that we have and all the properties that we have are aware of each other, right? Yep. That's how, for example, uh, the Club Max Stories website and the AppStories.net website, they are basically the same. They're just on different domains. That's the kind of thing that Calliope allows us to do. Uh, you can log in on AppStories.net if you have a club account and vice versa. Uh, and that that's how we were able to build a new membership plan called Club Premier that includes both Club Mac Stories and App Stories Plus. Um, I've seen other websites and other podcasters try and do this, you know, mixing and matching, you know, the, the membership system, uh, you know, the, the article content and the podcast content. And it's never been really elegant enough, in my opinion. And that is why we decided to, you know, to just build it ourselves. So I want to talk a little bit about the development process because, you know, while you had Alex doing the heavy lifting with the development, it was the three of you, including the one true John, who I guess were all working together on this project. How did you keep track of stuff as a team? Like, how were you keeping track of design changes, notes and stuff like that? What tools were you using? 
No, that's fun. Um, really, no, no project management system at all. Um, we didn't use any shared inbox. So, okay, I'm going to say that. Um, so Alex told me that I've been a good product manager. So take it from the developer. Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Well, he seemed pretty honest <laughs> when he said that. So Alex said, I'm going to take it at, you know, to take his word for this. Were you, were you holding his invoice in your hand at that point? Or? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. He said it on his own. He said I've been a good pro- project manager. Hey, look, I have worked with you for I don't even know how many years now, and I find that to be a very good experience. So. Okay, thank you. But one of the things that, that I've realized over the years is that I believe shared task lists between a manager and the engineer are a bad idea. I think shared task lists in general are yeah. good. Yes. Because everyone sees all the tasks. Exactly. And there really isn't a really good solution where you like where you don't annoy mm-hmm. one of the people in 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 the you know in the relationship that that is going on i think that there can be a value in having a shared database like like a trello or some tool but it's not what's considered to be like this is everybody's task list we're all running from it like you can there's everything you need to do is in that one place and then you build your own task list from that that's how i think it should be done yeah so i can tell you the way that that i have that that i've dealt with this myself mm-hmm. um so each week, especially in the final stages of, of development, each week we would do a call on Discord, sort of like as a you know, status update, what's going on, uh, what can we test, uh, what's left, what's the timeline, what are the bugs, sort of discuss features, make a lot of decisions. I've been making lots and lots of decisions for the past year, really. It's been a constant decision-making you know, kind of day mm-hmm. uh, at Max Stories HQ, which would be my bedroom. So, uh, nice. Yes. Um, so we 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 did like weekly calls for updates, and then um, I think each of us had his own note or task list or whatever you know we were using to keep track of things. I can tell you that I personally had a note in Obsidian that was organized in three sections. So I had check progress with Alex, new things for Alex, and Sylvia design. So in the Sylvia design section, I would drop in things that were, you know, that Sylvia needed to design. Um, The way that Sylvia likes to work is she doesn't like me, like, using shared reminders or anything like that. Like she sit, she sits down and she says, "Okay, what do I need to work on today, right now?" And we just do that on a day-to-day basis. Right. And so I just I kept a list of the things that she needed to design for us. In the check progress with Alex section of the note, I would have a long list, hundreds of lines of text, of things that we needed to double check, um, all kinds of things. Like, is this button working? Is this color just right? Um, what's this animation like? Like all kinds of things. Some of them were grouped by feature. Some of them were not. And my plan was just each day I'm going through the list and I'm testing Calliope and I'm removing or adding things as I go. New things, they would end up in the new things for Alex section. And that section 
would be uh, my topic of the conversation on the next weekly call. So on our call, I would go through all the things that I added to the new things for Alex section. And as we discussed them, as Alex explained whether a feature was possible or not to us, I would drop some of them into the uh, main section of the note, the check progress one. And that's really how it went. Oh, and for myself, I just used uh, Todoist. I used Todoist okay. for myself. And I also took, uh, I really took advantage of the custom plugin that, I, that, that, that we built with Finn, uh, the one true Finn, um, uh, for Obsidian and Todoist integration. Um, because I wrote, I personally wrote all of the, um, well, not personally, John John did a lot of work for the App Stories FAQ and the Club FAQ, for example. But a lot of the documentation for the Discord, for the About pages, for the Plans pages, a lot of that stuff, I personally wrote in in my Obsidian. Yeah, I found I was really interesting to me. So Federico gave me a because he's a big fancy product boy. Gave me a demo, showing yeah. me like a we did a video call. It was so professional, it was amazing. And you were going through and showing me your everything about Calliope, right? You were showing me the system. You were showing me how it was going to look to people and, and some some little bits and bobs. And I, you were still, this was like a few days before launch, you were still kind of ironing out some bugs. And because you were sharing your screen with me, I would see you would find a bug, you would open Obsidian and write a note in Obsidian and then go back. Yeah. And that was really interesting to me because it was like, I would just assume that you'd make a, ta- I would just make a task or I don't know, like update it somewhere else. But like, so my expectation is, were you turning those into tasks or were you just going through that? Like what was Obsidian's role in that part of the process for you? Like the bug tracking process? Some of them, some of them would become tasks mm-hmm. if there was a specific need to give them a date and time. Um, right. If, for example, I needed to talk about some of those things with John during our app stories recordings, you know, before we did the show, um, most of those items um, they remained in Obsidian as notes because it it wasn't really necessary to give them a time and date, and that's uh, we talked about this before. I on, I only put things in my task manager if I can make them actionable. Mm-hmm. With a date and time and like a like a like a context for yeah, them, you same. know. Otherwise, it doesn't. It's not a task. Otherwise, it's not a task. It's yeah. it's just a, a thought or something that you know has to be you know a, at least for me something that needs to exist in my note taking application. Mm-hmm. Um, I used the Obsidian integration with Todoist for my personal. Uh, for for what I was responsible for. Yep. So like, I need to finish this paragraph of the about page. Uh, I'm going to uh, make it a task so that in Todoist, you know, oh, I got to finish this on Monday at 6 p.m. And when I click the link in Todoist, it takes me back into that page in Obsidian. Yep. So the Todoist integration was mostly just for myself, for the things that I personally needed to take care of. Very nice. Very nice. Well, you've done a great job. Thank the, you. The, the group of you. Uh, people should go and check it out. You go to maxstories.net and you can find out more. Uh, is there a specific URL you would send people to or just go to maxstories? Oh, yeah. no. There is one. You can go to plus.club. There it is. I, I knew that. I was, I was setting you up there, baby. <laughs> plus.club. Great URL. You can go and find out more. Plus.club. But let me tell you, it was not a cheap domain. So no. Please use it. And those kind of <laughs> the best ones, Federico, they never are. I know. 
I would like to remind all of our listeners, please go to stjude.org slash relay and give what you can uh, to support the work of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Thank you so much for those of you that, that will. Uh, and thank you to our sponsors of this week, Pingdom, ExpressVPN, and Hello. Thank you to everybody who is a member of Connected and, and sign up for Connected Pro. If you want longer ad-free versions, go to getconnectedpro.co and you can sign up there. If you want to find Federico online, go to maxstories.net and he is at Fetici. Stephen is at ISMH and he's at 512pixels.net and I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, I make paper products go to cortexmerch.com and you can check those out if you want to uh federico i have a question for you oh okay how are you going to celebrate the success you've had with uh, well i can we are going out for a really good hopefully seafood dinner in a few minutes i knew that which is why i'm wrapping up the show because federico's got that celebration dinner baby you can't hold it back from that thank Thank you you for listening to this somewhat peculiar episode of connected Congratulations to our weirdest fish, Umar. Congrats, Umar. I hope that you've enjoyed your country's flag as our show artwork for this week. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci.